Well, happy Sunday to you. Glad to be back. Uh, very thankful for Tim, Chad, Scott, and Stu for leading the way on Sundays. Uh, very incredibly thankful for their leadership in our church. We're going to be in a three-week series starting today called The Human Condition. And we set the bar really low. And this series is for, for anybody and everybody. Regardless of your income level, your education level, regardless if you're a parent or yet to be a parent, regardless of your faith in Jesus or yet to have faith in Jesus, this series is for all of us. We're calling it the human condition. And by condition, we mean the state within we operate, exist, and live. We mean the state within we operate, exist, and live. And our human condition is to live in the tension of the gap that exists between who we want to be and who we actually are. It's easy for us to elbow the person next to us because we see that there's some shortage, right? They're they're not being the person we expect them to be or we want them to be. It's easy for us to do that. But the fact is we're all that way. As parents, we know what we want to do, how we want to do it, we know who we want to be, but yet we always fall short, do we not? Maybe you want to be the, the spouse, the, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the fiance, the friend, the roommate, the teammate that you promised to be, but yet you find yourself falling short. Or maybe for you, you, you know how you're supposed to respond in that situation, but yet you find yourself falling short each time. Or maybe there's an opportunity and, and you have a decision on what to do with that opportunity. And you know what to do, but yet sometimes you find yourself following short and not doing what you know you need to do or what you ought to do or what you should do. For some of us, we, we know the discipline we ought to exhibit, we ought to have, but yet we fall short sometimes. That's why some of us, we have this great aspiration come January 1st, but Come January 2nd, we tap out. See, there's a gap there. And that's why the self-help industry is so big. It's worth billions of dollars because we've all felt that gap. We've all fallen short. And we feel that internal struggle, that internal conflict between who we want to be and who we actually are. But this series is much bigger than just doing something or changing our behavior Or making better decisions. This series is about us experiencing God's best for our life. It's experiencing God's best for your life and my life. And here's what's true about this gap. Between how we want to be or who we want to be and who we actually are. It threatens to steal and rob you and me of what's best. And that's God. See, another reason why this series is so important, it's going to answer this question. I want you to be bold enough to ask this question. Do you know who else feels the tension between who you want to be and who you actually are? Maybe how you want to live and how you actually live? Yeah, it's, it's those closest to you. Those that love you, those that you parent or those who are your parents, those you work with, those you lead, those you influence, those are the people who feel it more than anyone else. They feel the tension. They feel the collateral damage of the gap more than anyone else. And and so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see what this gap is, why the gap exists, and what do we do in the gap. 
And so we're going to be in Romans, and Romans is in the New Testament. So if you have your Bible app or you have a Bible, uh, we're going to be in Romans. And so it's in the New Testament. So the New Testament starts with Matthew, and it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. We're going to be in Romans 7 and Romans 5 today. Now Paul, who writes this, is a church planner, a church starter, a missionary. And he writes something that I believe that all of us could say, well, that's my life verse. Ready? I do not understand what I do. That's what he wrote. I do not understand what I do. Now, some of us were like, that is our life verse. Maybe that could be the new t-shirt design for our volunteers. I do not understand what I do. And what Paul's doing, he's, he's describing the confusion that human beings experience as a result of our own behavior. And literally the translation is this. What I am producing, I don't know. I don't know what's coming out of me. I can't figure it out. Why is this coming out of me? It doesn't make sense. And we've been there, right? We've all had that I don't understand why did I do it moment. Maybe you had that this morning. Or maybe you had it earlier this week. It's like, I don't understand what I did. Why did I do that? And the reason why there's confusion is because there's intention. There's this hope, there's this desire that we're not producing the way that we ought to be producing. We're not living the way we ought to be living. We're not being the person we intend to be. And then he continues, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. Now, let's not say that six times fast. See, it's not even I don't do what I want to do. What Paul's saying, it's more like I end up doing what I hate. I end up doing what I don't want to do. I end up doing what I said I would never do. Those are the things I end up doing, and that is sin. Sin is missing the mark. And, and maybe you're like, I don't want to talk about sin. I, I didn't come here to talk about sin. I came here to be inspired, to be motivated, and to walk out here. I kind of got my, my energy for the week. The fact is, man, we all experience it. Sin is a real thing that all of us deal with every day. God has gifted us a conscience, our thoughts. You've experienced this when you were a kid. Maybe mom and dad didn't have to tell you whether that was wrong or right. You knew when you did it, you knew that you crossed a line. You felt a little bit of shame. You maybe felt a little bit of guilt. You feel like, man, I, I can't go back. I, I can't change that. But that is sin. It, the, the little translation of sin is missing the mark. And the mark is God, his expectations, his commands, his desires for you and for me. Anything that moves you and, I, you and I away from God and towards ourselves is sin. In other words, choosing your way over God's way. See, God provides us a conscience as a gift to know where to turn. Like Paul, sin is why we experience the tension. Like, 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 have you been there where you're in a situation and you're in a moment and you're really angry about because of what's happening? And you have, a, you have a moment. You have a moment to decide, okay, I know how I should respond, but yet you find yourself unable to control it, control your emotion, and you say something that you regret. 
you do something that you regret, right? We've all been there, right? We make a decision. We feel the, the regret of that decision. Maybe we feel the shame, the guilt, the relational tension. And we're thinking, why in the world did I do that? Why didn't I call a timeout? Why did I say that to them? Why did I do that to him? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I even think that? Why didn't I slow down and call a timeout? What was I thinking? See, the the human condition is to wrestle with this tension that we find ourselves doing what we know we shouldn't do, but we do it anyway. And this is what he writes. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree the law is good. See, as a religious leader, Paul's experience with the law had a lot of depth. I mean, Paul knew more about the Mosaic law than most Jews would forget. And in that day, Jews believed that they were ultimately saved by being God's chosen people. They believed that following the law did two things. One, it allowed them to overcome evil impulses. That's how they would define sin. They believe the law, by following it, would lead to life. Even to this day, Orthodox Jews believe in the Mosaic Law. Let's call a timeout. After the resurrection, followers of Jesus were not under the Mosaic Law. Instead, we view the law as a standard of righteousness. Its commandments are taught throughout the New Testament. That's the ironic thing. Nine out of the ten commandments are taught within the New Testament. The only one is, it's not taught, is the Sabbath. So Paul is saying this, the law was good. However, the Mosaic law didn't free me from evil impulses. Like, they're still there. Like, the law is good. It, it kind of tells me what's right and what's wrong, but I find myself not able to overcome these evil impulses. They're still there. Like, I'm not set free from these evil impulses. Like, think of it like this. If I'm doing what I don't want to do, but I do it anyway, that means there's a standard that I'm judging myself against. If you do something that you don't want to do, you're admitting to yourself, I'm admitting to myself that there is a better way. Like, there's a standard, and the standard is that there's a better way to live, there's a better way to experience joy, there's a better way to filter our decisions, Uh, to to be married, to handle conflict, to navigate relational tensions, to parent, to have fun, to get that promotion, to experience intimacy, to find significance, that there is a standard. And that standard is God. And Paul's saying is, I'm falling short of that standard. That the law is telling me what the standard is, that there's a right way to live, but I find myself always following short. Let me ask you this. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, here's a question worth asking. When you feel that tension, when you feel that guilt, when you feel that shame, as you do something you don't want to do, but you do it anyway, if that standard is not God, then where does that standard come from? Right, going back to Paul. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Like when we think about sin, we often think of sin like a verb. Listen, sinning is something we do, but it's also a noun. 
Sin is a noun. It's a thing. It's an entity whose sole desire is to reign over you and I, reign over our heart and wreak havoc in our life. And we're going to get more into this next week, but let's think of sin not as a verb, but also as a noun. It's a master. It's an entity who wants to kill every good thing in your life and in mine. And what Paul is saying is, listen, that entity, that lives in me. This is causing the tension that I feel that I know who God wants me to be, who he calls me to be, but yet I find myself falling short of that because of this entity, this sin living in me. And Paul's not making excuses. He's just explaining what's going on in all of us. He says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sin nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do, but it is sin living in me who does it. And Paul is super clear that sin is a noun as it's our nature. And throughout the New Testament, they refer to sin as our flesh. It's a metaphor. It's our propensity to desire the things of this world, to, to desire the things that, that we want, our selfish ambition. I think for some of us, we kind of kick back at that. Why did Paul have to use the word evil? Like that's a pretty strong word, but it's an intentional word that he uses because it explains that even though we're created in God's image, but because of our sin nature, we're unlike God in that way. That is why we need to be rescued. That's why we need to be set free from sin's power over us. See, good is anything from God. That's his nature, which means it's impossible for him to do evil because by his very nature, he is good. He defines what is good. He describes what is good. Since you and I have this sin nature, we're capable of evil. Now, I know that rubs against our culture's anthem of find your own truth. The truth is, we are capable of evil. Now, evil for you may look different than evil for me, which is why God makes it super clear that he determines what is good and what is not. But because we have this same nature, we are capable of evil. It's our propensity to look inward and be all about ourselves, even if it hurts people. It's our propensity to be in a relationship, and we're in this relationship, to, and we tend to be selfish, prideful, or even downright mean. Have you ever found yourself in a relationship, and you're in that relationship for you? You're not in it for that person? It's our propensity to disregard the way of Jesus and do our thing. And since its nature all facets of our humanity are affected by a tendency to face inward toward ourselves, regardless of the consequence to other people. And so Paul writes, he says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. And instead of referring to the Mosaic law, he talks about a principle. And the principle is this, that no matter how good I want to be, I can't be because evil is right there with me. No matter how good I want to be, I can't be because evil is right there with me. And this is the principle of our sin nature. 
remember, the, Paul is saying, look, the law is good. Like, it's needed. However, the Mosaic law cannot set me free from this principle, this law. That no matter how good I want to be, I can't be because evil is right here with me. He says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me. That, that, that principle of no matter how good I want to be, I can't be because evil is right there with me. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. He says, what a wretched man I am. And the word wretched is a military word that describes someone who is exhausted from battle. And Paul is saying in so many words that he's exhausted from a battle he's unable to win. He says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He's like, listen, who is going to rescue me? Thanks be to God, he writes, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the word deliver means to be set free from the authority of something. And in this case, our sin nature, which disconnects us from God and leads us down a road of disconnection and separation from God. And the human condition is the fact that we all have the same problem. We all have this sin problem. And look, sin doesn't discriminate. Sin, the verb, is a symptom of the real problem. Sin, the noun. And we all have sin, the noun, which allows us to do sin, the verb. Now, I want to be careful what I'm about to say next. I think it's very easy for us to look at other people and say, they're more messed up than I am. I think it's very easy for us to do that. But I don't want us to do that. Because you don't have a sin problem because you're bad. You have a sin problem because you're human. You and I, we have a sin problem because we are human. God doesn't work in good and bad good and evil even though that's very clear that yes god by nature is very good but how he views you and i is either lost or found either we're his or we're not and all of us have this sin problem we have this sin nature we have this entity that lives in us because we are human that's the human condition so how do we get here how do all of us experience the human condition how, how do all of us have this sin problem and so paul writes a couple of chapters earlier he explains he says therefore just as sin entered the world through one man speaking of adam and death through sin and in this way death came to all people because all sinned he said it all goes back to genesis 1 it all goes back to genesis 1 2 and 3 i mean god made adam and it was very good but adam had a free will he chose to disobey. In Genesis 3, we find that he did something that God did not want him to do, and there are consequences to it. That explains how you and I are born with this sin nature. That's a cancer in all of us. But I love this next part. He says, For just as through the disobedience of one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous and jesus came and he lived in order to save us he came into this world and he died on the cross for our sins and paul says that the wages of sin is death 
Like we earn death because of sin. And Jesus is willing to take our place. He died the death that we deserved. He rose from the grave on the third day, conquering sin's power. And when you and I believe in Jesus' death in our place, when you believe in his resurrection that ends sin's power over us, we are justified. We are made right with God by receiving forgiveness of our sins. And then God's Spirit lives in us. We are made new by grace. We are set free to live under sin's power and authority. The problem of sin, I don't want you to miss this, within us require the power of God beyond us. The problem of sin within us require the power of God beyond us. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. We needed Jesus. See, God's good news to all of us is that he loves you. He loves me, and he sent Jesus to die a death that we deserved, and he rose again. And that's why Paul says it's the power of God to save us. So let me ask you a question. For those who have been in church for a little while, when was the last time you thought about the gospel as the power of God to do for us what we were powerless to do on our own? When was the last time you thought about that? See, nothing magnifies the power of a solution better than fully understanding the death of a problem. Paul was unashamed of the gospel. He wanted to speak it. He wanted to tell it to everybody around. Why? Because he understood the death of his human condition and he had experienced the miracle working power of the gospel. And then Paul had every reason to be ashamed of the message in the Greco-Roman world that he was writing in, power was found by conquering, by climbing the social and economical and political ladders. And then here comes Paul with this message that a Jewish carpenter turned rabbi was hung on a cross to save humanity from this sin problem. Man, that would have been shameful. And then to go even further, he would say that this king loved I'm following a king that served. I'm following a king that laid down his life for his servants. That would have been seen as weak. But Paul wasn't ashamed. Why? Because he had experienced its power and it changed his life. And just just because we're set free in Christ, it doesn't mean that we don't experience the influence of sin. The, the influence of our sin nature is not totally gone. And we're going to unpack that over the next couple of weeks. But in the meantime, I want us to just soak in the fact that Paul was unashamed of the gospel because he experienced its power and it changed his life. So a couple questions to think about. Have you placed more emphasis on obeying laws or principles to please God than to be found good by him? Like, in other words, are you more focused on the outward changes than the inward change? Because I believe we know this to be true. It's important that God works through us. But it's just as important for God to work in you. And honestly, I would argue that it's really difficult for him to work through you before he works in you. And then finally, how does the depth of our human condition magnify what Jesus did for you? How does the depth of our human condition magnify what Jesus did for you?
Heavenly Father, thank you for a moment to dive in and see the weight of our sin and be reminded of the weight of our sin. Father, help us to recognize that without Jesus, we would be hopelessly lost. Father, thank you so much that Jesus lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. And he rose from the dead to overthrow sin's authority over us. Father, for those in the room, I ask that we would surrender our hope and our desire to you. Who we want to be, who we desire to be, ought to be aligned with you. For those in the room who have yet to follow Jesus, yet to make a decision to follow Jesus, I ask that they would see that you have provided a standard to live by and it is the best thing for us because you are good and we are not. And you know what's best. So Father, help us, those in the room who have yet to make a decision to follow you, follow you to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.